When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by PDAX. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by Podmachine. The simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. Welcome to the HUSTLESHARE Sunicorn Sessions. Sunicorn Sessions. The show where we discuss the journeys of Southeast Asia's most successful startups that are soon going to be the region's next unicorns. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest edition of the Hustle Share Sunicorn Session. That is a tongue twister. Still getting used to saying that. And again, we have the biggest sunicorn in the land of Sinigang Valley. Um, that's uh, again been blazing trail for the whole startup ecosystem. The last time I've had one of them here officially in the Hustle Share format was May 2019, and that's when Roland was doing pre-series. I mean, before you guys announced Series A. Now you're at Series C. But before I get carried away, let's welcome again the three guys and girl that are, are really blazing the trail Mr. Rexy Dorado Roland Ross and Crystal Vijaya of Kumu hey. welcome to Sunicorn Sessions again I'm a big fan I've always said this and again 
I've been flexing you all over the place, but this time let's talk about the real deal. And I'm going to go straight into the jugular here because um, last time I talked to you guys, the whole startup ecosystem was just literally pre-pandemic, totally different world. And you just guys skyrocketed. Can you just walk us through what happened since May 2019, pre-Series A into now Series C and being the highest valued startup? So because it's been crazy. What were the biggest milestones that you guys hit over that span of, again, two, two and a half years per se? Gosh, um, feels like so long ago. It feels like yeah, so much longer. Two years ago feels like uh, ten years. Forever, ago. exactly. Uh-huh. And I, I think maybe the the overall theme uh, and maybe why we're actually uh, having this catch up is this kind of whole concept of really how hard it is uh, to get from say like zero to one, yep. and a lot of the changes that we've had to make to to go from currently going from one to one hundred, um, and you know the the mindset. Uh, and something that Crystal has really helped us from a cultural perspective, you know, she wrote this landmark email called raising the bar and, yep. uh, you know, getting from zero to one, uh, getting that initial traction and, and, and product market fit and, and, you know, building strong unit economics, uh, making sure, you know, we get some semblance of a good first time user experience and cohort data to get that community to a particular size, mm-hmm. uh, to get to say, uh, what ended up being um, a very, very oversubscribed, highly competitive Series B, and then wow. kind of went right into, uh, you know, where we're currently at, which is how, how do we get from zero or how do we get from one to 100? So, sorry, that was pretty general, but I just kind of wanted to frame the the conversation in that direction because 2019 was a zero to one kind of situation where it was tough. I mean... It's, I don't know, Rexy, looking back at those times, like what, what were your thoughts in terms of like kind of key milestones or whatever things that we were trying to hit back then compared to what we're trying to hit right now? Yeah. I remember you guys were telling me that you're, you're about to raise Series A and all that and traction was the same. And you remember, I remember you guys selling me, which is I'm currently going through that you almost ran out of money. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the thick of that shit right cool. now. Uh, I'm trying to survive and go to my A. And again, if it's a, my, 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 the, the only motivation I get is like, man, they, they've done it. Maybe we can do it too. You know, that, that, that glimmer of hope uh, that you guys paved through, you, you don't know how much of an impact that creates for other startups that, hey, it is possible. But for you guys uh, during that phase, again, how did you get over these big humps from A, now B, and now C? That, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that changed was just not being in a place where we were running out of money every month. Right, <laughs> um, and I think that, that, that allowed for a bit more um, just long-term thinking, a bit more um, uh, investing upfront in in some of the organization building, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and then over over time, a bit more kind of uh, moving our focus to kind of metrics that matter more long-term. Right, that that mm-hmm. might pay off uh, a bit a bit later on, um, which you couldn't do if you were you only had a one to two month kind of. Exactly. Uh, You're desperate <laughs> for survival. And it's just uh, going to be purely sales led, I would assume at that point. But what were the pivotal decisions that you guys did, Rexy? And I'm pretty sure, again, shout out to Reforge, the baby of Crystal, because you've been talking about this before Crystal even joined you guys. But what were the pivotal product decisions that you guys built or did that allowed you to not 
be chasing tail every single time? Well, the first one was just bringing on Crystal. Wow. Yeah, she was actually super cool because that was actually that kind of, uh, we were engaging her after, what was it? I think uh, when we did close that Series A. Uh, a already? Yeah, because Jervin had uh, recommended that we um, take this program called Reforge. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were taking it, and I think it was around that time uh, we came back to the whole growth. Actually, we we were uh, watching this growth podcast. Uh, right. uh, that go, what was it called? Go something. Go figure. Go figure. The Go Jack podcast. Yeah, and we're like, oh man, you know, we were just saying uh, how amazing would it be to to you know engage with someone uh, like Crystal? And then Rex is like, oh wait, her contact information is there. We could just reach out. <laughs> and uh, at that point, we were engaging Crystal and, and helping us around our, our growth strategy and really uh, a lot of kind of some specific um, issues that we wanted to focus on specifically around, say, like first time user experience and longer term retention and, and just looking at the data on, on how to develop the product further and getting there. And then going from, you know, her consulting us to getting into that Series B situation Wow. And actually onboarding uh, mm -hmm. Crystal as a partner. Uh, really, that was yeah. A, so gosh, it's so weird because I really it's, that was only two and a half years ago because it does feel Dude, like five, I swear. Yeah. yeah. I think when we when we looked at the Go Check podcast um, on the, that episode with with Crystal, um, mm -hmm. uh, I remember it was like maybe a year. Uh, between that and when we actually reached out to her so i was like on her link to every time a, a product related or growth related role would open up it's like oh man it'd be cool to, to, to have someone <laughs> on the team uh and yep. i think a year after i started like stalking her on linkedin i saw her bio change and there was a there was a calendly link that popped up and i was like all right I'm gonna take this <laughs> <up."> <laughs> and now we've come full circle i'm now Correct. on a podcast with you guys instead the same team as well but i want to zero in one thing on, on one thing about reforge crystal because these guys have been talking about this for years now i tried joining i didn't get the the to, to join in but our product manager now jay zil castillo is joining the next cohort and it's the way you guys at least from what I've what's available out there, it's not yet available. Is how you create um, the go-to market strategy and creating a flywheel effect or a double flywheel, whatever you guys want to design. This is revolutionary. But can you just walk us through how pivotal and what do you guys think? You you, you what what do you do teach in Reforge that allowed startups like Kumu to ex experience hyper growth? I think it comes down to realizing that the success metrics have changed, right? It's not enough to just have a great product, but it is necessary. So it's necessary, but insufficient to have a great product. But you also need great distribution. You need strong marketplace dynamics. You need great handling of the metrics and understanding of the levers that matter most and inflect the most change because you know, every small thing a founder does or a product manager does is super important, but some things are actually quantitatively more important than others. And it's important that every day a product manager makes a decision, they are picking the highest impact one and they are discarding stuff that is seems promising, but we can't really validate and we'll never know. So you have to kind of, well, the way I train my teams is to take these much smaller guaranteed bets so that they can buy and win their way towards earning a big 
unquantifiable bet. Mm. And it's only the teams that can have that track record of constantly delivering that they are able to then take those bigger bets, that very product visionary goal and keep inventing. Because if you can't get the simple stuff right, it's very hard to get the inventive, innovative stuff right. Mm-hmm. So it's really base hits over home run swings. Because again, for, for startup founders, right? That's one of the uh, early mistakes that we all typically, we like going for the home run swings, but uh, sure. those home run swings, you have a very low batting average because you know, and, and you're probably strikeout majority of the time. But I'll just circle back to Ro- uh, Roland and Rexy here. What were those metrics that you guys learned? What are the strategy that you had to do with product? Because at the end of the day, that's what scales, right? Product, a properly executed product scales. And as you can see, you grew so fast over the past two and a half years. But what were those things that you learned in Reforge that you put into place right away with the smaller base hits in Kumu rather than going home run swings that effectively got you there? Well, to answer that question, well, you know, a lot of the key things was specifically around particular growth loops um, that we identified. And um, to be completely honest, though, I think we had identified some things that did result in several base hits. But as we were aggregating that data, we were faced with the decision to make a huge bet, which Mm -hmm. I believe is the Pinoy Big Brother bet, Wow, uh, which was, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, uh, something that we, the board actually just really supported on. Uh, and, and we knew that that was going to be a huge bet. But to Crystal's point, I think uh, when you are looking at the right data and you are collecting uh, enough information and, and making a qualified decision, say, okay, you know what? Based off of all our experience around building communities and looking at a particular growth loop that did lead to the creation of new communities, uh, you know, I, we got <laughs> credit Angelo to say, Hey man, so sorry, I'm trying to uh, make an impression of him, but he's like, Hey, like, look, based on <laughs> Go ahead. You know around our, our creator growth loop and creating communities based off of those, those creators that we're bringing in. Mm-hmm. One of the best ways that would generate the most creators is we got to do this like thing called Pinoy big brother and mm. just go to town with it and combine that with, you know, the fact that everyone was like stuck at home. It, it was just a crazy uh, crazy, crazy wave. Yeah, and the setting of this was like Angelo had a had a small closet in the ABS-CBN office. It turned into <laughs> into a studio. Um, he he was like hitting up all the departments uh, yeah. for a year, just like at, by going to the smoking area. I mean, like, hey, what team are you in? <laughs> like, literally, they gave him a closet at the ABS-CBN studio, and he was using that space as kind of like the the toehold, and it was wow. just causing you know so much uh, stuff there because he was walking into people's offices and say hey what do you do here at ABS-CBN or what do you do here? <laughs> and you know he's you know collecting information and just realizing oh crap I think it's this Pinoy Big Brother show that could actually get us a lot of traction based off of uh, a previous group we identified between you know the the supporters and the the content creators yeah that's amazing and to, I guess also the, the other kind of honest way to answer your question is it was very hard at that time to uh, to be doing, you know, to, to get our way to our chip, chip away towards our goal through through those base hits, because uh, for about a year before product before Crystal uh, joined and took over the product team, we mm. almost didn't have like anything uh, we, like when I when I look at what happened product side that uh-huh. year. It was, 
almost nothing. It was like one or two features that maybe had an impact, but it just like kind of stalled um, because of uh, the the way that the company was growing. Um, uh-huh. uh, just made a lot of things um, from like product decisions being prioritized leading to, to implementation on the tech side. It just wow. kind of hit a standstill. Um, uh-huh. for, I would say probably at least a year. Um, oh, wow. Until Crystal jumped on and, and was really able to reorganize the teams and build them into these these pods that could act autonomously and, and uh-huh. prioritize decisions in a way that was uh, that was effective. and it almost I mean it wasn't overnight right but there was like a, a point in time where it felt like overnight we went from from nothing happening over the course of a of a year to uh-huh. like uh, more happening in in a space of a month than 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 the entire than the entire year previous. Got um, it. And uh, yeah, and I think it was that like foundation organization uh-huh. building, like training of the the key product leaders and, and uh-huh. people that that um, was the most important first step, more so than any particular right. uh, product decision. So you've had that that experience with Crystal through Reforge. You recognize that there are going to be glaring holes in the product, but for her, Crystal to eventually join you guys, that that's the biggest. Um, wow factor here because crystal is highly coveted everywhere everybody wants her right but for her to join what did it take to get to to really commit also crystal from your point of view what, what's in kumu because again you've done this for contact for those people who don't know crystal yet crystal has done it before with gojek who just happened to be a real unicorn from indonesia right <laughs> not does. a unicorn. <laughs> yeah okay um What's with the Kumu team that you know made you okay? These guys are legit, and I I want to be able to be part of the the family or the band. Thank you for for giving me the opportunity to pay Rexy and Roland back for their amazing compliments just now. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the t- I think they have done something that's remarkable, right? Like I'm not the right person to go from zero to one. I am the right person to go from one to a hundred, but wow. to go from zero to one, I think like there is a serious hustle to the credit of this podcast there is a serious level of determination and persistence and a belief like an ardent undefeatable belief that what you're doing is the right thing and i saw that constantly from both rexy and roland and so from the time that they reached out and started to work with me i mean we did like very quick sessions like an hour a week and then i would come back the next weekend, they'd say like, we did exactly what you just said. Here's what happened. What do we do now? And the only thing I could think was, you know, the worst part about working with this team is that I don't get to see them more than I, than I can right now at like an hour a week. (laughs) So it was always wanting to be closer to the the product and closer to the team. And as I started to use the product, I think, you know, there's something really magical about using Kumu. When you think about someone like myself, I like grew up in the US, but didn't make a ton of friends there, moved around a lot. I lived in Southeast Asia for most of my you know, professional career, moved back to the States, felt completely disconnected from wow. everything that I had just you know, loved in Southeast Asia, across Indonesia and Singapore. And then to go on Kumu and then join a live stream and someone's there and they're like, Crystal, welcome. What are you doing tonight? <laughs> Do you want to eat dinner at 7.30? Like we're all going to be eating. We're going to be wow. celebrating my month anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what just happened? I just got invited to hang out with a bunch of people who are complete strangers, but wanted to say hi and reach out. And you can 
imagine like how touching and seriously necessary that could be for someone who is, you know, living at home, doesn't have their community around them. Uh-huh. So I think there is just something really heartwarming and Disneyland-like about the Kumu community and the product that they deserve and need to have for uh-huh. that to be realized across the world, honestly. Uh-huh. This is a culture and a feeling that uh-huh. is so hard to describe. Like Kumu cannot be described. It has to be experienced. And that's what we really want to share with the rest of the world. All right. Now, last question before I let you guys. I know I'm not going to let you go. We're going to take our first break. Um, but basically, I, I want to zero in because, again, there's more and more companies now that are breaking ceilings on ceilings and ceilings in, 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 in the Philippines. And um, for, for Kumu, you've just completely shattered them in record time, right? And, and how you've been able to do it. But what were the hardest things? that you had to go through. I remember in some conversations that Ron, like for me, HR as, as, as a small company, you don't even think about HR as much. But as you completely scale, things are going to look like they're siloed. You know, you're going to have to see yourself constantly um, trying to persuade people to see what you see. And that's not always a fit every time. For you guys, from a, from a people standpoint, and or any other uh, difficult uh, point of view, what were the hardest things you had to go through as you went from A to B and B to C? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's definitely the people piece. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's... Uh, and and it doesn't, you know, uh, it, it it's it's also like there's not there's never a, a kind of forever right way to or like yeah. a steady state to get to at least for for this as long as you're in this kind of growth stage right there uh, there's a book um uh by well why am i blanking on the name the high one? growth handbook um right. Gil. yeah one of the Gil. Like, right there mm-hmm. uh they says that you know if you're growing at least uh you know 100 year over year your, your organization is gonna change every like six absolutely months at, the, at the longest uh and if you're not i mean if, if, if that's not happening then you're probably doing something wrong right so mm-hmm. so it's both like you know what do we need to do just like from a fundamental perspective what didn't we have that we needed to have in terms of leadership mm-hmm. uh, and that was bringing on people like crystal um mark our cfo who you know uh, i was pretty involved in fundraising until he jumped on um mm-hmm. uh, our our finance our first like finance hire uh, maybe a year before Mark uh, before that person joined I was like uh, taking one thousand peso like a million pesos and like one thousand peso bills what? <laughs> in his backpack we were like <laughs> what? we felt like our lives were in danger you know, I spent like, uh, like twelve a.m. like doing one by one PayPal um, PayPal wow. cash out to to our users so, so there's just like those things that like okay like we need somebody there but then once you once you have those those positions filled i think then then it becomes more of a and where we are now is really a place where you're like okay what's the right structure uh, yeah uh, and, and that's something that you just don't know until you start moving things around and seeing how these things exactly fit and then something changes in the business that makes makes it so that structure doesn't make sense and you have to to shift it again um people who used to report directly have to report to someone else and yep. like all of this stuff. And, uh, and there's the kind of, for, for us, like having to, to, to manage the company and the leaders through that, uh, for the first time and the second time, 
uh, is one thing. And then the other, the other layer is like everyone in the company needing to be comfortable with it too, because that's going to be the, that's going to be the, the status quo for a while. Right. Is like right. the org try is gonna, is gonna change and evolve. Um, that's and, true. And I've seen that again. It's just eerie because Steve C of great deals also said it in the first episode, his biggest challenge was how to hire adults in the room. Because everyone, he had a lot of one downs, the soldiers that can do. But as you try to scale, you need the right people to really lead that 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 team. Because you can't have ten direct reports. See, you're gonna die. <laughs> or, or again, the small decisions cannot be made by you anymore. Again, yeah. the crystals of the world. And one thing that I really want to give you props. And again, this is something that I recommend a lot of Filipino startups do. Um, is that from at the core, the management team of Kumu can actually run a very terrific startup on its own. Like the Vicky's of the world, the Angelos of the world, the James's of the world, the Crystal's of the world. These are actually real startup founders within another startup, right? That if they just chose to, they'd, they'd be successful in what they're doing. But a lot, like for me, we're, we're struggling in PNA because we have a lot of great talented people, but we needed that uh, leadership, those founder-like people that can actually run those teams and, a lot of startups also in the Philippines uh, go through that. All right. Now, let's take our first break and our only break, actually. And when we come back, let's now talk about the the deeper, how they actually were able to scale to Sunicorn levels. But let's talk about that more after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from the break. We are still with Rexy Roland and Crystal. Again, told us an amazing journey. But more than the metrics, the milestones, these, these are all public. And if you can see, you can see it in plain sight. You see if somebody's something's brewing. 
But I want to dig dig in deeper because the type of leadership required to run a Sunicorn is a totally different. It, you, you become, a, you turn into a founder to a real executive or an operator. Yeah. Right. And most people struggle with that thing because as a founder, it's all about really getting things done. As an operator, it's a totally different dynamic. And some in the States, um, I've seen this happen that most founders don't end up running their company because they become uh, the, the, the one blocker that also prevents the company to grow. How was that uh, journey for you guys from becoming a founder to just getting things done, impressing Crystal on a week-to-week basis to now trusting the whole process and becoming a real exec? Hmm. You know, I, I think, um, so just from the context from going from zero to one to say now going from one to 100, uh, does take a huge increase in maturity and a lot of stretching. You know, one of the things I love about, uh, you know, going back to reading the hard thing about hard things again yeah. is he, he recommends that, you know, the number one thing you should be focused on is really how you're managing between your ears and, and just from a mental standpoint and, and being like super prepared. Uh, I think that one thing that I really appreciate, for example, uh, with say General Atlantic, who who did lead our Series C, is uh, you know the the coaching and training and the recognition of really being a good steward of the business and doing uh, what it takes to you know like for example, one particular thing that sticks with me is uh, as, as the CEO really being super intentional of how we're allocating capital. To, to increasing shareholder value and running a distributed team and just getting out of the way of great leadership. Yeah. And, you know, these are some kind of terminologies that I had no idea even existed when I was a startup founder trying to get this thing off the ground. And what's so cool about the type of maturity required to really be super intentional of, say, for example, allocating capital for shareholder value is really about creating value and focusing on the core fundamentals you know, like one particular person uh, who added to the team, you know, one of my best friends, Alex, who is our chief growth officer, you yeah. know, prior to Kumu, he helped grow an e-commerce brand to a $5 billion IPO as what? their head of growth and marketing, right? Over at Figs. And wow. when you bring someone like that from a capital allocation perspective, now I know there's someone who brings in so much operational lift where I don't really have to worry about marketing and growth as much because he has that experience of allocating capital to grow a business that was only seven employees when he joined to that $5 billion valuation and recognizing the type of value that he can actually create, um, focusing on you know high uh, customer acquisition cost to LTV ratios that are super fundamental uh, to the business. Or for example... You know, like like with Crystal and and really creating these beautiful magical experiences at scale, and wow. making sure that within the first twenty four hours that people are getting into that aha moment, ensuring that you know our 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 retention and the just this beautiful product that we're making and and building what quite frankly will be the largest participatory social platform in the world, and. I think that when you start making those key decisions and start kind of stepping away, it does really push you to start thinking about vision, looking at, um, you know, how to think strategically, not about just the total addressable market in the Philippines, but what that would look like in a global context. Uh, it, it did take a lot of mental 
maturity and mental stretching that uh, I had no idea would occur because when you start a startup and you put those like fancy projections on what Kumu could be on a, on a freaking PowerPoint presentation is a lot different than actually executing and actually doing it. Uh, And it it takes a lot of internal work. Uh, It takes a lot of, a lot of internal work and a lot of maturity to be able to do that. And again, a lot of that just happens with the mind and Mm -hmm it's still getting stretched. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, I, whatever you guys think, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that the biggest thing, um, both that we've had, to, or one of the biggest things we've had to grow into and continue to, um, you know, it continues to be uncomfortable, right? But it's like, actually one of the most important skills is, is delivering bad news because there's always <laughs> yes, oh my god there's always gonna be bad news um and i think oh, that you know, what changes is like on a smaller like early early startup level um when you're looking at your team like you don't really have to uh you know if you feel like something's being done should be done differently you can kind of just step in and, and do it and, yep. and shift it um now you you know it, it you, you really have to put trust in the leader and if that leader is is not aligned with how you you see things you have to be able oh, to man, it's gonna be a mess mm-hmm. um the other side is uh you know when we were starting up early in kumu we didn't really have to to when when it m- was clear that a messenger app didn't make sense and we had to redo just everything we were planning um we didn't really have to kind of sell anyone on it we just we just did it right and our, mm-hmm. our investors were pretty hands-off in, in that sense and so so now it's like you know we, there's a sense of inertia sometimes where it's like you presented this particular thing way that you thought this quarter was going to go where this year was going to go mm-hmm. um, uh, and there's more of a sense of like hesitation to like drastically alter that um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways is uh, you know in, in some cases might be warranted and in a lot of ways it's like self-imposed uh like when you, you go out and say it the people actually just understand and and uh and back in like okay yeah if that's if that's the right way for the company go long term then then mm. of course right um but but being able to to push yourself to to, to say like actually like here's what's not going to plan and here's how things are gonna be pretty different from what we said because mm-hmm. of these things we've learned um is is something that gets harder to do the larger the company is but mm-hmm. is no less necessary than when you were a startup um, got it uh, so i think that's that's the um biggest thing that i think we you know we continue to try to get better at because mm-hmm. uh, if yeah, there just... is a fork in the road in the future where yeah you know something needs to happen like kumu shifting from messenger to live streaming app we don't yeah. like want to not do it because we were afraid to, to disappoint right yeah because mm-hmm. yeah, just to echo rexy and that's one of the coolest things about what we've built as a culture is like really not buying into the hype actually that's one of the reasons why i think dbth are- well because a lot of us i mean I, honestly i we were pretty shy to be on something called unicorn sessions right like, <laughs> we're i'm like, sorry super, okay no nah, it's okay you know mm-hmm. Because again, we don't really want to buy into the hype right now. Mm. And when he's talking about delivering bad news, it's just really having you know strong trust in the board, uh, who truly believes in the long term vision of what we're trying to accomplish, and, and just impacting millions of people's lives, mm. and being able to have that transparency and clear communication. It's a huge, crazy set to be able to manage very clearly uh, with your board and and being able to disseminate. Uh, those expectations, shared expectations, uh, you know, with key management and then across the entire organization. Because again, 
prior to um, when we met, we were what, 20 people, employees? Now, how, how big are you guys? Now we're around, what, 600 now? What? So it's just like, that it, it takes crazy. a lot of clear communication and that particular skill set of delivering that type of news uh you know it takes discipline and takes clarity mm-hmm. uh and yeah it's crazy that's just crazy now I- i'll circle this back to, to to crystal because crystal you've seen iterations of this in indonesia before where in indonesia there's probably a dozen uh dirty dozen uh or a uh, baker's dozen dirty dozen baker's dozen um so, so <laughs> sorry that's a rap game in my head my bad right um but I want to understand what what are the similarities of say unicorns that you've seen in Indonesia that thrive and what you see now again in Sinigang Valley with with Kumu that are again eerily similar on how they they scaled because again your 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 best hustle really is at one at one hundred right but what were those key foundational things that you've seen in say that a Gojek that you see now in Kumu? So I think there's a couple of things that I already saw Roland and Rexy doing that made me feel like this was a safe opportunity, right? Like they hadn't formally raised or closed their fundraise when I joined, but it was clear that they had been learning, right? They'd iterated, they started thinking deeply about the future. And there are some non-conventional, like non-conventional things that get you to from zero to one, but there's a lot of honestly very conventional stuff that you also need to do to get from one to a hundred. Mm-hmm. And the question there is always, can the founder do both? Can they go from non-conventional mindset to conventional mindset of doing strategy making, creating metrics? Like all of this stuff is not terribly innovative. In fact, right. it's almost too uh, risky if you get too innovative with your business metrics. Yeah. And so to see them put these things into practice, okay, they're disciplined, they have goals, they are trying, even if the goal setting process isn't perfect, but you have to do that process, just part of the muscle building within the company. And so I see companies that care about their metrics and are driven about what matters most and communicates that to everybody. And then there are startups that also need to be very authentic and genuine about the state of the business. If we are not doing well, I promise you, Rexy and Roland are the first persons to, to tell us and everyone else already knows about it, right? Like they'll be the first ones to say, hey, I'm going to voice this out, but other people will know, they'll care, they'll already be looking at it. And that's important. You need to have that trust that even when things go bad, we can all talk to each other. And when things are great, we can all celebrate. The fact that you know some of Roland's best friends have actually joined Kumu with him a good sign right like you want to know that someone's a good person that they're they have friends who are willing to work with them because there are a lot of founders who you know across indonesia or the philippines who would have people uh, around them that say like great person would never want to work for them and that is kind of a red flag like if you're not able to build that those friendships and yet still keep that business business there is a lack of maturity or emotional maturity in that founder so I think these were important qualities, seeing how much Roland and Rexy have trusted their senior leaders and have been able to tell them when something wasn't working out, told me that I wouldn't ever have to wonder, like, am I doing all right? Or is there something that I should be doing more? Because they will have told you. 
that is amazing. And then then that that sense of security just really makes you yeah, do your job well as well. As from a from a whole, if you're you're managing six hundred people, if there's that sense of security that that Roland and Rectly gives, then I can just imagine that, that 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 no wonder you've been able to hit these metrics. Now I want to just zero in on these metrics because at when you're raising series A, series B, series C, yes, there's still gonna be a ton of storytelling at that point. But it's all about pure metrics now. And can you just walk us through? Because nobody's ever reached the this echelon, only a handful. But again, shout out to the whole community. When you last year, three companies did series B and above. Y'all did series C, the only one that's been ever been able to do that. Um, this year, three months in, there's already three. You've already uh, caught up uh, and there's more to, to come for sure. But can you just walk us through that process? How do you even fundraise at Series B and Series C? Is it just purely metrics-based? What's it like? Because again, hopefully there's more that follows suit, but we are completely in the dark. What does it take to unlock that level? Yeah, I think, I mean, I can, I can talk through kind of how it evolved. And I think a lot of, some of it is intentional, but a lot of it is just like circumstantial. Okay. Um, uh, for so, so for series A, uh, I think what it boiled down to was just showing um, traction and that this is a thing that could, that could scale and that, that people found value in. Do you right? need product market fit at A? Not yet. Are, are messy. Uh, and that there, uh-huh. yeah, that there is something that like at its core has product market fit. Got it. Um, even if like, there's still a lot of, you know, again, just lots of things to, 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 to be fixed, especially at the, at the uh-huh. Level, um, but uh, I mean, what that looked like for us was that we had a you know DAU, a daily active user target, and a revenue mm-hmm. target. Um, what what ended up kind oh, of MAU target? Uh, oh yeah, it was I actually MAU, okay. MAU, monthly active user target at the time. Um, and uh, what ended up happening? So we, we ended up hitting both, but then we we found that like, wow. at that. At that point in the the company's journey like revenue actually was a lot easier to just like grow month on month because we had cracked some kind of some kind of formula there in terms of uh, engaging our our top users and uh through our streamers and when streamers gaining from that um so so that you know uh with the kind of those MEU and, and revenue targets we were able to, to raise our series a uh with, between our series a and our series b um, the revenue side scaled up significantly, and wow. it actually got us our our first um, our first profitable quarter. Um, wow! Uh, right before the the B conversation started, and I think in in a way triggered the the Series B conversations. Was yeah, because every time we were checking in with investors, you know, it was like crazy. It was you know thousands sick on right? like every time we were yeah. yeah every time we were checking in with them, it was like oh yeah we're now. 2x on MAU and mm. you know uh, revenue grew another 500% and then Ooh. they check in again and then like grew again and again and again and then at that point i think i don't know the community mm. is very small amongst those investors so you know i think when all the term sheets started coming in it was just like uh it was weird it kind of felt like yeah it was a really really interesting time period because they were catching us right in the middle mm-hmm. of a big growth spurt uh, on, on the active user and and, yeah, um, yeah. Revenue side, and so that was definitely, um, you know, I, I think so. That was a big. The user side definitely grew, um, uh, enough. I mean, significantly, uh, but the, but the revenue side was where it was like, okay, wow, like the unit economics on this thing is just, uh, you know, we had a five x plus um, 
uh, LTV to, to CAC that was that was oh, wow. a month and um, and then we we just started to crack the the you know Pinoy Big Brother playbook for mm -hmm. for how do you use these content bets to to drive that up further. Um, uh, I think from B to C, what started to happen was was you know it's like how do you how do you kind of like scale faster while still maintaining that as much as you can right because it's like the, the more like numbers you try to squeeze out of any kind of um growth lever the, mm -hmm. the more the kind of the ratios like decay a bit uh that's just like a, a trade-off where if you're if you want more more growth sooner like you, you mm -hmm. have to make some sacrifices on on particular things so, so that's where you know like i think on the series c is like um, what are these these things that that um, you know maybe take a bit more money um, uh, and and more of a uh, more resources in terms of team to 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 be able to kind of unlock and do but will you know if if we get it right um, will put us in a place where we've we've won the market uh, uh, and so that, that was kind of the the roadmap. Um, and the plan to like, what does it look like for Kumu to, to like win in the Philippines was really the, the, um, the core of, of uh, what drove the Series C conversations for us. At, at this stage though, Priscilla, just to circle back, um, is the same decision-making pro decision process, uh, is it the same? Because before we were talking about base hits, but at Series C, you're now chasing again, this, we're, we're talking about winning now. Right, and you're willing to sacrifice a little bit, say margins or unit economics, to, to really win at that point. Is it more a mixture of base it to get a grand slam, or like home run swings at this point? And how do you still continue that growth? Because again, once you get a taste of that growth, especially with with the, the investors, it's 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 rational to to think that for them that hey, this is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow, and the stakes are higher, and I, I can just imagine how big that expectation would be. But how is the decision making process in making those things, especially product wise? I think the the biggest issue is then realizing what parts of the magic formula worked and how replicable they are, and what's their growth ceiling, right? Like, is this something that can theoretically continue forever? So once you get to growth stage, I think you have a lot more data and you also have a lot more resources. So now it's about deploying those resources smartly and knowing when something can hit a maximum ceiling and when it can go above that ceiling. So you'll use some of those resources to, yes, fund a grand slam and figure out whether or not this worked based on lots of historical information. And then there are other points wherein you're just going to have to keep being more consistent, right? There are parts of the product market fit that you want to retain and like something worked, like don't mess it up. When you try something new and you have to try something new, um, you should collect feedback. And when feedback tells you that actually the physics that you believed about your product or the industry were slightly off, you're not gonna go and like turn around in the opposite direction and do everything different. You're gonna say, okay, some of the physics has changed. What part of the physics needs to be tweaked? What part of the formula? wasn't I right about? And how do we ensure that we continue to maximize what was working? Because most of the product companies that I see that do not innovate early, they almost never innovate. So you still have to innovate. I think that's still critical, especially in growth phase. And your users are going to be expecting something, right? They stood by you while your platform was kind of crappy and you were scrambling. We have to pay them back, right? Like there's a lot of value that 
users are still asking for and they're trying new things. And those are the things that are particularly innovative. It's your users who are going to be way more innovative on a global scale than you and like four other product managers can ever be. So paying attention to what the users do and looking for those innovative signals and then figuring out how do you make that even easier for them? Mm-hmm. That's actually a grand slam usually. Wow. That's amazing. All right. Last few questions before I let you go. And hopefully when you come back, it's a uh, unicorn session. Okay. At that <laughs> But last few questions, Roland and Rexy, and then Chris already said it. There, there's people want more, right? At this stage of the game, what how do you what's the motivation like now because again not a lot of people can actually understand the gravity of what you guys have and what still keeps you guys keep keeps you guys up at night you mean what doesn't keep us up at night okay but what what are these thoughts now just again and seed founder might be thinking survival might be thinking the next fundraise but as you receive, what's that mindset like? And how, how do you, how do you uh, trudge on? I think it's, I mean, I think it's a sense of, uh, you know, what we're comparing us ourselves to at the end of the day are the uh, kind of major social apps that mm. communities in, in the billions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not just like an aspirational thing, but it's also a, like reality really, now if we you know if if a platform does it does what kumu does better than uh than how kumu does it then we're 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 out <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh so i mean i think that's that's ultimately the core of it is is just knowing how and that, that keeps our perspective anchored on just like how early on we are how small we are in the big picture and how much still uh-huh. needs to, to be fixed and done um, yeah, because actually one of the main things, you know, just from a perspective, you know, our general theme at Kumu, as much as we're celebrated outside of Kumu, internally, we believe that we're only 1% of mm-hmm. where we need to be. And the kind of cool reminder that, you know, Netflix actually IPO'd when it was just delivering DVDs, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and when you, when you have that type of internal perspective of how much more uh, we have to grow into especially, you know, with all the different innovative things that are, um, you know, being developed uh, uh-huh. over the next few years, uh, it, it's really nice. And again, um, when you look at the investor base, right, people who were leading our seed round were people who invested, say, like in the top startups, um, say, like in the country. Uh-huh. Now, um, who we have on our cap table, like, for example, General Atlantic, right, they've invested Ooh. for social apps. The three previous social apps they invested in were Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok, and we're the fourth one. So it's kind of like uh, the perspective is like, okay, you know, uh, you know, where do we need to be? And 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 to what Rexy's talking about, it, we're we're on the cusp of something really special, mm-hmm. and we have to solve these particular problems. Whether uh, you know it's it's addressing technical debt or really getting people to the right content and the right communities at the right time. I mean, these are just really amazing, cool problems that we're trying to solve uh, all across the board. And, you know, the implication is mm-hmm. if we do that, you know, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Know? So. Yeah. 
so um, to answer your question, that's actually what keeps us up at night because it's hard to sleep when yeah. you're thinking like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, eye bag crew. We call that's what we call ourselves. The eye bag crew that you cannot sleep as well. It's just that I can just I can I, I can't even imagine the type of pressure. But again, you guys have an amazing team and uh that should be more than enough to help you. Uh, get over those next humps that you try to be. But last question before I let you go. Um, you're you're in a very unique position because as Sunicorns, right? One thing common about y'all is that you also invest in other startups. And again, I'll just come clean. I'm one of those lucky bastards <laughs> that uh, got invested on by this company called Kumu. Oh, ha. there you go. But what's exciting about, what what excites you about the Philippine ecosystem now. Again, Sunicorn country. Hopefully, we get uh, to catch up with our Kilwarga in Indo. So again, shout out to uh, we. I have an Indo team, Crystal. I, I don't. I have. I don't know if I have a. Uh, I have a ten man Indonesia team because they're the biggest uh, podcast country. I mean, podcast uh, market in Southeast Asia. So we had to be there. But what's exciting here now, and what do you look for in the startups that you invest in? Aside from me being good looking. Uh, what what do you look for in the the, the next startups that you, you you like to support per se? Well, I, I think one of the biggest things is the ecosystem is uh, turning a corner. Yeah. You know, from a macro, uh, you know, I've said this before, right? It, it's this perfect storm of a hundred million people, Gen Z, millennial, median age, billions of dollars being spent on internet infrastructure. You have um, affordable smartphones because of Vivo, Oppo, Huawei, and Xiaomi. That you do have an entire generation of people skipping the laptop and going straight to mobile uh-huh. uh, to engage in products. And because of it, never have I seen so much coordination, you know, Ron, I know that you're doing this, this unicorn session thing, but like, you know, Steve over at great deals ourselves, um, the PayMongo guys, uh, Nitro over at PDAX, Greg yep. over at tonic and uh, who else we're all like, all communicating yeah. with each other and there's this kind of sense that we all have to kind of work together uh, whether it's through th- networks like endeavor or through foxmont which is a mm-hmm. uh, you know a, a venture capital firm that's invested in the both of us or um i don't know how public it is yet but you know more accelerators and venture studios and things like that mm-hmm. uh it, it's it, it needs a lot more coordination yeah. uh I don't know if it's if syndicate is the right word, but there is a network of people coming together to talk about the specific problems that do need to be solved in this really exciting market. Mm-hmm. And through that coordination and the back channel conversations of these networks of problem yeah. solvers, will that deal flow happen mm. for the next promising startup? Right. Uh, you know, whether it's like, you know, I love the Ekaterina folks it's on the play to earn side, yeah. you, you know, Peddler and Lista, and there's just all sorts of really interesting startups that are popping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of it is actually happening because, I mean, look at um, Louise and Francis's thing. Like yep. they have one of the coolest portfolios in the entire country yep. um, and, and they're investing and, you know, we're so proud of them, right? They, they just raised their series B a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I think uh, for the first time I've actually seen, um, you know, it's not like, oh, it's cool to be a startup founder and it's like a social scene thing, yeah. you know, like five years ago. What it is now is this determination 
that the Philippine TAM, according to Google Tomasic, is mm-hmm. going to grow what I think it was nine X yeah. in the next few years. And it's going from a 20, $25 billion economy to something that in the hundreds of billions of dollars in the next two to five years. So a lot of the coordination that's happening in the ecosystem with the problem solvers is happening and it is driving mm-hmm. a lot of that deal flow. Absolutely. So I, I highly suggest to any startup to, to get plugged in and connected to that network and to that community of startup folks who are serious about solving problems and not to be like, you know, and the, you know, the, just the, yeah, I'll just say that. Yeah, correct. And, and that's true because again, I've been, I've been here, man, it's my 10th year. I, 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 there's the shirt that I wear startup weekend, 2012, man, that, that's Dang, a 10 year old shirt. You're OG. Yeah. Duh. So I was like, I've seen it transform. And what's really special over the past couple of years that's really happening is that now this ecosystem is founder led. We're not talking about the telcos just before when we were starting out this kickstart idea space. I mean, there's nothing wrong. They really plowed through a really rough time. But now every single deal that has been record uh, breaking is all founder led and founder initiated, right? The, the, The biggest checks that are coming in from a seed or pre seed level are coming from founders. Heck, even at A. I've seen founder, uh, local founders even participate, like with PayMongo. That's Kaya. That was Paolo participating there. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's exactly it. Sorry, I didn't know mm-hmm. if it was public. But yeah, like yeah. like Kaya and what they're doing on the venture studio side. Mm-hmm. Right. And because it's uh, that coordination, like, for example, it's like, look, you know, Greg just raised $130 million. We mm-hmm. received General Atlantic's first ever investment. Uh, PDAX uh, got Tiger's, Tiger. first, yeah. Tiger's first ever investment in the Philippines. Uh, Gabby got A16Z's first ever investment yep. in the Philippines. And we're all talking and co- collaborating with each other. So again, that's what I'm saying. It, there's, a, there's a new style of network that's happening. And yeah. there's a sense of purpose around this excitement about what's developing in the Philippine ecosystem that did not even exist exist. because when i first moved here three years ago justin over at golden gate kept on saying like look you know the startup ecosystem can't grow when big fish are eating the little fish and it's not happening anymore because to your point uh, you know these founders are you know just doing amazing work at the right time yes that is amazing now before i let you go crystal Again, uh, I'll we'll wrap it up with you. What would be your tips? Again, you've seen this happen with Gojek. You've seen it with happen with Kumu. For people that want to follow suit in Sunicorn territory, what would be your tips for them in order to, to follow suit? Because there's more. I, I've seen the line. It's miles and miles long, and it's just inevitable that they're, they're, they're going to cross over as well. But what would be your tips in order for, for them to be able to catch on and not make the same mistakes that uh, they all did? It actually is probably to make those mistakes. I actually Mm. think a lot of the startups that we want to create, one, I think we have to be honest with ourselves. Does it create Mm -hmm. value? Is it something people actually need and want? And does it make the world better? Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, then maybe try something else. But if it does and it works, then don't give up too early. You are going to make mistakes. That's inevitable treat it like tuition. Like you're going to learn a lesson. You're yes. going to pay the price, but don't give up too soon because growth loops take time. It takes time for things to actually work out. And all of the best stuff worth doing is worth doing poorly as well. So keep doing it. That is amazing. Thank you so much, guys. 
for joining Unicorn Sessions number two. But before I let you go, if they want to reach out and they want to be plugged in or again, collaborate with you, where do they go and how do they do that? Just on Kumu. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best. Go live. Go there stream. We'll find yeah, you. Go live. Mm-hmm. No, that is but amazing. Go to support Kumu. All right. Or again, just throw in a little bit of lechon or a red or uh, or a uh, red beer uh, that's out there. But before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to. This version is going to also be on YouTube. So that's it. If we did say some, some jargon, I think we did. It's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, if we do want to be part of the Hustle Share community, just join us in the Hustle Share community on Facebook. Guys, thank you so much. And the next time I guess you, you will have a horn and a big ass freaking wing with a fluffy tail and a mane that's colorful as hell when y'all make it. But I'll be here and I'll say now congratulations in advance. Thank you so much, guys. Awesome. Thank you. All right. I'll see you guys in the next Unicorn Session.
Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, Hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. 
Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay.